We don't condone any of the games that we're going to mention. These games are dangerous and might actually cause harm. Your soul is very important to us. Are you ready to play? Ah. Okay. <laughs> it means welcome back in Swahili. Oh, cute. I don't know if I said it completely right, because, you know, I don't speak it Swahili. It sounded right. But, okay, you guys don't know what's happening. No, I don't even know what's happening. Yeah, I can see that. So, I mean, I have a clue. Like, I know, obviously, because we discussed this. Well, we're going to give you a bigger clue. Woo-hoo. Welcome back to Black History Month episode part two. Part dos. Yes. We just have more. Yeah. We just had more. We couldn't fit in the first one. Yeah. So we said bye, but we're saying hi again. <laughs> in other words, Caribou Tena. Oh, yeah. Because um, the last one was pretty interesting with Egyptian curses. I didn't know about that. And I didn't know about... No, I knew about them, but I didn't know all that stuff that we learned last time. And then, like, the book of spells. That was, like, my favorite part. Yeah. This one, I think you're going to have some fun with this one, too. Because last one, that one, you kind of freaked out a little bit. I mean, one, don't I? I know, but it was just cute. Yeah. It was adorable. Alright, let's get started. What's this one called? It's just... I, I, just you, you, know, you know what I meant. You know I'm what I meant. going. Yeah, I know. You know what I meant. Okay, go. Okay, so I'm actually going to start off with a correction Ooh. from the first oh. Black History Month episode. Dug a little deeper. We're learning. Right. We adapt. We survive. Now, this might get a little confusing, so I'm going to slow it down. Okay. Take it nice and easy. Okay, good. Alright. This concerns the Book of the Dead. Okay. Last time I said that it didn't exist. This is actually not true. Ah, yay! This is what I found, alright? Alright, chill. Some people called the Book of the Dead by three other names. Ooh. Some called it the Book of Amun-Ra. Yeah, because that's what I remember from the movie. And others called it the Book of Coming Forth by Day, or Spells for Going Forth by Day. However, one of these names is false. The Book of Amun-Ra was a book from that movie, The Mummy, right? Yeah, yeah. And that came out in 1999. Uh-huh. But this book never existed. Okay, so... Okay, it, it was that yeah, book. Yeah, okay. Okay, look. amun was known to be one of the most powerful ancient Egyptian gods. Later on, he was combined with the sun god Ra. This is how he became known as Amun-Ra and became even more powerful. Ooh. And he was considered to be the god of kings and king of gods. Ooh. So, for the sake of comparison, he was on some next level Zeus shit. Okay, I was going to say, like, Zeus. Like, uh-huh. he was, like, the king of all the gods. Exactly. But there is no known book named after him. Mm-hmm. Okay. I, I, I guess they just chose that one because he was really powerful. Mm-hmm. So, that would mean the other three names, the Book of the Dead, the Book of Coming Forth by Day, and Spells for Going by Day are the same book, and they do exist. Now, of course, the Book of the Dead was more of a Western translation. Yeah, yeah. This book is a compilation of spells, 
which enable the soul of the deceased to navigate the afterlife. Ooh, now I want this book. Of course. (laughs) All the answers. Since the afterlife was considered to be a continuation of life on Earth, filled with tests and obstacles, many felt the need to have, you know, help reaching Aru. And Aru is the field of reeds and Osiris' court. This is basically paradise and heaven for the deceased Mm. in Egyptian culture. Mm The book was never arranged with a system of organization, and all the copies are different from each other. Oh. Now I'll tell you why. Each was created precisely for different people. Mm-hmm. Specifically for that person. Oh. Oh, okay. And for who- so, like, literally every person had a different book. Yes. Oh. And for who could afford it. Oh, yeah. yeah. I imagine, like, nobles, kings, pharaohs. Of course. They definitely yeah. wanted it. Mm-hmm. The spells were written by a scribe based on the life that the person had lived, Ooh. which would indicate what type of journey the individual would have once they die. Mm-hmm. So in short, it was a manual for the elite of society to navigate through death to reach Otto. Mm-hmm. The spells also with illustrations were written on papyrus, you know, that good old paper. I've always wanted some. Mm-hmm. They were later placed in the tombs and graves of who purchased them, of course. Mm-hmm. Now, in part, the book provided instructions of how to take the form of a number of mythical creatures to fight against danger that would come their way in the afterlife. For knowledge of what was to come and passwords for certain entryways in the underworld. Imagine you have to do that when you're dead. I know. You think you're dead. You're going to rest now. You just got more work to do. Basically, this book tells you where to go, how to interact with certain deities. In other words, how to behave (laughs) and then how to speak to them and how to, you know, use your words in certain situations yeah respect your elders mm-hmm. kind of like being a student with the professor's test answer sheet before the actual test <laughs> and hope to god's on the test and not they bullshitting you now that is the correction i had okay so book of the dead is real it was not the book of amun ra and it was meant for dead people rich dead rich dead people now we're gonna move on to something else ready yeah sure yes okay oh god I mean, what could I possibly say about ancient Egyptian culture that would, like, make you feel nasty? I don't know. You never know. I know with me, but still. Okay. The mummification process... All right! ...was performed by priests, of course. Yeah. Now, at various stages of the process, the priests would perform rituals and prayers for the deceased. To begin the process, the body of the deceased was washed, and an incision was made on the abdomen usually on the left side to begin removing the internal organs. This would be the intestines, the stomach, the lungs, and the liver. Wait, do you think that this led to modern morgue practice? Like when they do in the morgue? Nah, no. Because they get rid of the organs in the morgue when they get a body ready for the funerals. True, but Egyptians had a completely different reason why. Okay, because it seemed like kind of like similar. I know, but just listen, it's completely different. Mm-hmm. The heart was left inside the body. Oh, okay. To be used in the next life, as it was believed to be the focus of emotion and intelligence. Mm-hmm. So you know what they say, think with your heart. Mm-hmm. With your heart. The brain, however, was removed with a hooked tool through the nose. Well, yeah, I remember that. The task was treated delicately as disfigurement of the face could easily occur. I mean, you're putting a hook through the nose, honestly. I would say, yeah. Yeah, you're going to break the person's nose, probably. Pop out an eye. You never know. This figurement was 100% guaranteed. Like, well, they were dead, so. True. Eh, they couldn't feel it. Oh, thank God. Now, once the brain was removed, it was thrown away and considered to be unimportant. How? 
<laughs> Remember, intelligence was part of the heart. Oh my god. <laughs> your brain was your heart. So look, every they had their own beliefs. Okay. They knew what they knew with, with, with what technology they had. Can't knock them. Now, sometimes it was actually left in the body to just dry up and shrivel. Now, for about 40 days, the body was stuffed and the eternal organs covered with natron salt to extract all moisture. So that was a 40-day process. <laughs> Gonna marinate. <laughs> I say, like, see, this is why it's different from a morgue because they don't take this long. Yeah, no. Now, after the drying out period, the eternal organs were wrapped in linen and placed in four specific canopic jars each with the head of one of Horus's sons. The first, Emseti, with a human head, is the guardian of the liver. Hapai, with a baboon's head, is the guardian of the lungs. Kebesenuf, with the head of a falcon, is the guardian of the intestines. And last, Duamatef, with a jackal's head, is the guardian of the stomach. Now, in later mummies, the organs were treated, wrapped, and placed back inside the body. However, empty canopic jars were still placed in the tomb as a part of the burial rite. Mm-hmm. Okay. So they still got they they still got their jars, mm-hmm. but they had the organs back, mm-hmm. dry, like raisins, pretty much. The body was then cleaned again and rubbed down with oil. Now this made me laugh. Like, um, you dried them out to put some oil on them. <laughs> I mean. You can't really judge them because look how great these mummies look after like uh, 300 years or yeah, 400 years. you know, you're right. But I I just imagine it in my head, somebody really dry and then they're kind of re-inflating a little bit because they got some oil on them. <laughs> kind of, you know, kind of when you like really ashy. Yeah. And then you put on that lotion and your skin looks a little plumper. <laughs> <laughs> the sunken areas of the body were stuffed with linen and other materials such as sawdust and rags. The cuts were closed and secured with wax. False eyes were also added. And this is when the wrapping begins. This portion of the process took about 15 to 20 days. Hundreds of years of linen were used for each mummy. I'm sorry. Hundreds of yards of linen were used for each mummy. Years. Yeah, I know. I was like, years? No. While the linen was carefully wrapped, amulets and prayers were put in different places among the linen. Magical words were written on some parts of the linen. Also, pages of the deceased person's Book of the Dead were placed among the linen as well. They got to carry it with them. It was common for priests to wrap a mask of the person between the layers wrapped around the head. A mask? Of their face. So I guess, you know, they kind of messed up the face with the nose. (laughs) And then (laughs) trying to put it back. Yeah. Now, periodically, they stopped wrapping the mummy to cover the soon-to-be mummy with warm resin to keep out moisture and help linen stick together. Then, the wrapping would continue until completion. The mummy was then placed in a sarcophagus and fully prepared for the burial. With all this together, the ancient mummification process took about 70 days to complete. Wow, Jesus. And then they had the funeral. Oh my God. Did you um, discover like what the origin of mummification came from, maybe? So... Part of it was like they definitely revered but feared the afterlife. So basically, they were preparing you for a next life. Technically, you kind of weren't completely dead yet. You were dead in this realm, but in the other side, you still weren't. So they would wrap you up, prepare your body, that you have to, you know, use your organs for the next life. They're protecting them in the canopic jars. But your heart, of course, you definitely need it because that's what's going to be judged. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. On the scale against the the feather. feather. 
and they put the amulets, the prayers, wishing you well, wishing you the best, and your book of the dead, of course. Mm -hmm. And then, remember, in your tomb, they'll bring in furniture, food, the things you loved in life, your jewelry. Like, for women, they found makeup palettes back in the day, and men, they found the weapons in there. They're literally sending you off into the next life with everything you need. But it's so interesting because, like, you know, mummification is such, like, an intricate and very, like, carefully done process. Yes. You'd wonder, like, where this all came from. Like, who came up with the rules? Who came up with this? Linen is, nowadays, it's such, like, an expensive fabric. Well, you know, something as complex as this, I think it would have to be a number of people. And gradually, over time, things would change. Yeah, because their um, religious beliefs were like so intricate and amazing. Yes, definitely. But like, I've always loved like mummification. It's so interesting. Yeah, that was my favorite part in sixth grade. <laughs> <laughs> that was my favorite part of all of sixth grade. Yeah. I really don't remember much except that. Yeah, it's always been interesting. I'm not done though. Oh, God. Girl, I ain't gonna be that short. Crazy. There is another curse I found. Ooh. You may be a little familiar with this. You might. The curse of Hamdai was created by high priests of ancient Egypt. Knowledge of this curse was learned from some ancient Egyptian texts. But they mentioned this one in the... There's so many references to the movie now. It was a malediction used only for the worst of blasphemers. The first step to conduct the Hamdai was to cut out the criminal's tongue. Gross. Then the criminal would be mummified by scarab beetles while still alive. The scarab beetles would eat the person slowly and painfully. Also, a chest would be bound to the victim's soul. If a living person were to open said chest, they would become bound to the curse of Hamdai themselves. So if the original victim of the curse were to rise from the dead, they would track down whoever was involved in opening the chest to kill them, absorb their bodily fluids and internal organs for the purpose of regenerating the original victim's body. Jesus, this does not sound familiar. Doesn't it? Once they've succeeded in regeneration, they will no longer be undead, as we all have seen. They will instead possess inconceivable power and everlasting existence. However, this person will fear the guardians of the underworld until they are fully regenerated. Oh, yeah. So, Cats. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which made me laugh when I saw it in the mm-hmm. <laughs> I was like, you just came back from the dead and you're scared of cats. Kitties. Yes, kitties. <laughs> the victim of this curse would be damned to a life with no end, even in the afterlife. So they would never be able to reach Aru or paradise. Mm-hmm. So I imagine this would be, you know, similar to being stuck in your own corpse mm-hmm. for all eternity if no one awakens you. Also, a person under this curse could still be brought back from the dead by way of incantation from the Book of the Dead. My goodness. I know, it just keeps going on. However, if this person were to be raised from the dead, not only would they search for those who opened the chest bound to them, they would bring the ten plagues of Egypt with them due to the potency of the Hamdai curse. Ugh. Let's play this game. All the waters turn to blood. Uh, locusts, famine, death of livestock, fire raining from the skies. Um, let's see if I remember. I think all the Nile and the rivers dry up too, if I remember correctly. And then, oh, frogs, they bring uh, plague of frogs. And then I think it's like uh, 
disease. Like, uh, I'm missing two more. I don't know if it's true. The death of firstborn was considered a plague. Was that okay? So I'm missing one more. Um, it's just, it's one of the most commonly known ones. I said locust. Okay, then not that. One. It's another one. Oh, the dead would rise. It's like trying to remember all the Ten Commandments. You always forget one. Yeah. yeah. You want it? Yeah, go forgive me. Plague of Darkness. Oh, yeah, I remember that one. You remember it Because I'm thinking of both, like, the mummy and the Prince of Egypt. Because mm-hmm. they did that, too. Yeah. That was, like, my second favorite song. So just imagine all that coming back. All I'm actually time. kind of proud of myself. I made it to number nine. Yes, very good. Very good. I thought to myself. Yes. Pretty much that's why this is described as the worst of all ancient Egyptian curses. I can't believe it's actually real, though. And they said it's one so horrible it had never before been bestowed. But it possibly has been bestowed before. The curse was so feared among ancient Egyptians, there is only one known case in which it was used. Oh my god. But people were so fearful of the curse. This possible one-time use of the Humdai curse was never written about. So this occurrence was most likely spread by word of mouth. Oh, okay. As a legend passed down. Because all of a sudden, if I hear the fucking name of that person from the movie, I'm just like, oh my god, this is like too much. That's why it's going to make sense. The curse was said to have been used on a high priest. God, fuck me! If it's the only one, what else are they going to do? They're just going to, listen, I already, I'm just going to find O'Connell. I'm just like, asking for his help. Good for him. <laughs> the curse was placed on the high priest in me you're lying bruh it's the only case ever you're lying god i'm sorry they really copied and pasted the fucking movie who copied and pasted the fucking movie whoever the director was it copied this and literally pasted into the movie oh you made it sound like ancient egyptians were copying no 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 <laughs> like bitch they no. old yeah of course they they were like but like wow like, did you not hear me say 1999 <laughs> <laughs> oh my god well, think about it sometimes people love history but this is the only known case possible case this is only known one no i feel like you're really pulling my leg here i'm sorry this is it was found in ancient egyptian text and this is the only case that possibly happened and what, he was in love with a princess named Anaxunamun too? He wasn't a princess. No, he was in love with the with the no the mistress. There you go. Yeah, I was about to say mistress. she wasn't no princess. No, the his daughter was the princess. No, yeah. Stop confusing yourself. No, I'm talking about the second movie where they explained uh, yes. the back right. But yeah, like but it was he in love with they her? They changed it a little bit. Okay, I was like, Jesus, if you say the that, movie changed it a little bit. If you say an oxen moon, I'm literally gonna kick my feet out of this chair, this table, and like leave. And then you're gonna fall back and I'm gonna laugh. And I'm gonna leave. <laughs> his crime was using the book of the dead to bring back his lover. God fuck me! No, in the movie, you saw what happened. He was trying to bring back his lover, too. Yeah, but that wasn't his crime. Oh, okay. In the movie, he murdered the king. No. No. Yes, he did. Yes, he did. You're right. He did. Don't screw with me on Egyptian movies. No, no. I was just thinking, because like, I know Anax in the Moon also. She like, Yeah. She's an accomplice. And then she killed herself. Yeah. Yeah. So, his lover was the mistress of Pharaoh Seti I. Yeah, her fucking name shitting me. was... No, 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 no! Anak. Fuck! No! Sue Namun. I'm sorry, kicking. I'm kicking. I'm kicking! I hope you fall. No. Ah! 
If Imhotep was said to have come back to life, a passage from the Book of the Living would do away with his immortality. Of course! Leaving him mortal. Ah, uh, and then you can stab him. And susceptible to being killed. Oh my fucking god! However, the Book of the Living was also known as the Book of Amun-Ra, and as we just learned a little while ago, it never existed. So if someone brought his ass back... There's nothing you can do. Mm-hmm. So there's really no known incantation for removing immortality to leave someone vulnerable enough to be killed. So that's probably why they're so fucking scared. See? You only think about yourself in movies. <laughs> what about history streams? Oh my god, I cannot. Okay. Now, again... <laughs> I'm having a stroke. Feel free to have one. Go ahead. Now, again, there's not a lot of information found out about this that my best guess would be because of the fear. They didn't write much about it. They didn't want to talk about it. It's like Voldemort. Oh, he shall not be okay. named. The curse that shall not be talked about. <laughs> Ever. I mean, I'm kind of, like, scared of, like, some idiot actually maybe finding, like, in, like, a bumblefuck area in the desert, finding an unmarked, like, tomb and finding out that it's actually him. Because, you know, archaeologists don't respect, so they might actually try and find the chest, and then they'll be like, oh, I'm going to open this bitch. Yeah, they just have to know everything. Can't we tell just be, you know, unknowing sometimes? And go home. But y'all just want to know shit. Yeah. I, I understand. I love the discoveries. I do. But... Something's just better left yeah. alone. Something's going to happen, and you're going to want to quit your job. <laughs> I'm sorry. Oh my god, no, stop it. My blood pressure's raising. I'm sorry, but that is the Humdai curse. Possible curse. I'm so scared. But one thing I did find out, though. In ancient Egypt, they said scarab beetles would eat flesh, but they don't. Yeah, I was going to ask. It's like, is it true that scarab beetles eat? No, scarab beetles are actually dung beetles. They only eat shit. Yeah. Shit and waste. Yeah. And, like, they wouldn't, you know, be able to tear your skin, really. Yeah, no, no, not really. So, maybe... They're, They're cute. Like, they actually pull... They make the poop into a ball, and they use their hind legs to push it. It's so cute. Okay. Um... Screams finds that cute. I mean, like, have you seen them? Like, actually, like, they, they pretty much go on their hands and, like, kick with their, like, hind legs the ball around. I saw it in a documentary earlier. Shit balls week. are cute now. No, not the shit ball, but the way they roll them. It's so adorable. <laughs> it's like they make it cookies. Yeah, it's so cute. Ew. <laughs> I don't know, but I know maybe there was another beetle that looked similar, and that's what they used instead, because there are flesh-eating beetles. Ooh. But the scarab beetle is not one of them. Unless there was a different, you know... Species. Yeah, a different, um, I would say... Breed? Yes. Maybe a different breed of scarab beetles. I have no idea. You know, bugs evolve just like we do. Yeah. So, it might have been a different type. I don't know. I never... Like, what bug, for example, could eat flesh? Well, if you're talking about dead flesh, maggots, obviously. Well, obviously. But, you know, um... Oh my god. Okay, I just looked it up because I didn't know the answer to that question either. It's something called skin beetles. Ew. The scientific name is Dermestidae. And it's a family of Coleoptera and commonly known as skin beetles. So that would be our word. That's how we're going to say it. Yeah. Because, you know. Where are they indigenous to? Well, as far as where they're indigenous to, I would imagine a number of countries because there are about 500 to 700 species worldwide. Fuck me. Yeah. There are other common names used. So just in case you hear these ones. Larder beetle. Hide beetle. Leather beetle. 
carpet beetles, copra beetles. Ain't that nice? They're not the cute kinds that roll balls of poop with their hind legs. I would assume not. Because I was watching a nature documentary called Round Planet. And it's hilarious because the narrator makes like subtle jokes. And while he's narrating, they did like one about a dung beetle. And that's when I saw how they rolled it into a ball and they rolled it with their hind legs into the burrow so they could save it for later. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, this is so cute. Now, one thing on these things, they do eat the flesh off of carcasses. But I think it's even if it's fresh flesh, if you just died and you're nearby, they might try to take a bite. Oh, okay. So they don't like come up to you and start biting when you're alive. I don't think so. No. So they're like so decomposers too. They would be considered that. Yeah, I guess so. But they still eat flesh. Well, yeah, I mean, decomposing, like, animals, like larvae and vultures and stuff like that, they... Yeah, little bug scavengers. That's interesting, okay. Maybe, I don't know, maybe they... I mean, if you say they're all over the world, then maybe Egypt might have had them. Possibly. So maybe we found it. Maybe we didn't. We're not archaeologists. We're not going to disturb <laughs> it. We're not bringing anything back. No, 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 no. But we will bring sexy back. Oh, <laughs> We will bring education back. Who didn't shut her up? Who raised her? We will bring freedom back. Oh my god. <laughs> okay, I'm done with my speech. <laughs> Thank God. <laughs> Girl, don't get me started. <laughs> and that was our part two for Black History Month. Happy Black History Month to everybody again. Happy Black History Month. I'm so glad you joined us. Loved having you here. Yeah, loved it. In spirit. Because mm-hmm. you ain't really here. No, you're not. Bye, my dears. Happy Black History Month. Bye, Ida. Oh, you learned how to say bye too? Yeah. That's cute. That's why Haley. All right. Bye. Bye.